Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are going to study the Prophet Jeremiah, Yirmiyahu, chapter 27. Obviously we just completed chapter 26. In chapter 26, uh, we discussed events that happened early in the reign of Yehoiakim. Now, while my usual emphasis is always more on the message of the prophet rather than the history. Here, in order to understand this chapter, in order to understand uh, large portions of the remainder of Jeremiah, we have to review a little bit the history. If we remember, after Yoshiahu, that's Josiah, after he was killed in a battle against the Egyptians, the um, his first son Yeho Ahaz was appointed as king. Yeho Ahaz um, was taken away. Uh, he rebelled against the Egyptians. The Egyptians didn't like him, and they took him, expelled him to Egypt, and replaced him with his brother Yehoiakim another son of Yoshio, another son of Josiah. Yehoiakim was then the king for several years until the uh, <laughs> his fourth year of his reign was the ascendancy of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of, powerful king of Babylon, who was the one who conquered most of the Middle East and became the ruler of most of the Middle East for the next several generations, established Babylon as the leader for the next several generations, According to our tradition, the next 70 years. Yehoiakim served the king of Babylon for several years, and then at a certain point during his career, decided to rebel against Babylon. And to do that, he he allied himself with other um, allies with all the surrounding nations. And, and Egypt as well, and assumed and hoped that with this alliance he would be able to overcome uh, Babylon. Yehoiakim died. His son, Yehoiachin, took over, was king for a very short period of time. His son, Yehoiachin, continued the rebellion against Babylon, and eventually Babylon came, squashed the rebellion, crushed the alliance against him, and took Yehoiachin and many of the people in, in Yehuda, many of the people in Judah into exile, including Yehoiachin himself, and many of, of the temple treasures and the wealth of Jerusalem was drained by Babylon and brought to the capital of Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar. And he placed Tzidkiyahu, Tzedekiah, as who was the uncle, another brother, the uncle of Yehoiachin, Yehoiachin, um, and a brother of Yehoiakim, and placed him as a vassal king, and left him in place, with the hope that he would, the kingdom of Judah would remain, but as a vassal kingdom to Babylon. This said Tzidkiah or Zedekiah was for several years until he decided again to rebel against Babylon. When he decided again to rebel against Babylon, he also drew alliances, created alliances with all the surrounding nations, rebelled against Babylon, and by this time Nebuchadnezzar was fed up, and he came and destroyed 
the, the temple completely removed the rest of the temple remnants and 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 that was the end of the dynasty of the kings of Judah overall and he left in place a remnant just a few people with the governor uh, Gedalia and so on which we'll get to later on in this book now why am I repeating all of this history because it's very important to understand that this um, rebellion against Babylon took place in many stages the first major rebellion was the rebellion of Yehoiakim against Nebuchadnezzar which was eventually crushed by Nebuchadnezzar but Nebuchadnezzar did not completely destroy the temple he just removed many of the temple treasures but left some of it in place and left Zedekiah in place he was a vassal until then he again decided to rebel against Babylon and then again Nebuchadnezzar came but this time the second time crushing the entire kingdom of Judah removing the king completely and and destroying the temple completely and removing the remaining uh, temple vessels and and whatever wealth had remained now this vision that Yirmiyahu is about to say let let us now with this history understood let us look at chapter 27 in the early days of the kingdom of Yehoiakim the son of Yoshiahu Melech Yudah, he was the first king to rebel against Babylon. He was the king of Yudah. This, this idea, this um, a vision came from God to the prophet Jeremiah. We will see in a moment that the scholars and the commentaries are baffled by this verse because this verse says that it occurred early in the days of the first one of the kings who rebelled, Yehoiakim. And then it discusses, and we'll see in two verses from now, events that actually occurred when Tzidkiyahu was king, when the second rebellion against Babylon occurred. And the, the chronology of this doesn't seem to make any sense. There's several ways to understand it. The traditional commentaries like Rashi and the Radak understand this as a prophecy, as God told Yirmiyahu a prophecy about what was going to occur later in the days of Tzidkiyahu. Other scholars, many, um, not the traditional commentaries in general, but other scholars assume this is simply a mistake. It, it's a typo. <laughs> that it should say here in the beginning of the kingdom of Tzidkiyahu ben Yoshiahu, Zedekiah, the second king, because the events that we're about to study occurred during the days of the second king uh, who rebelled, not the first. I did hear another explanation um, by Rabbi Menachem Liebtag, who gave uh, an, there's a lecture online that I heard from him in which he explained this differently. And I'm going to modify his explanation just a little bit and explain how I understand this to, um, to have occurred. Um, and that is that, uh, that, is, is that <clears throat> later on, Yirmiyahu was writing this down 
at the days of Tzidkiyahu, after the days of the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, or, or at least during the days when the second king was under attack from Babylon, and that was happening, or maybe even after that. The visions that Yirmiyahu had, which were the vision and the idea that the people need to humble themselves and be subservient to Nebuchadnezzar because they were not worthy of being miraculously saved by God. Jeremiah's message, remember, is to the people that what God wants from you is to, to improve yourselves, is to demonstrate that you're ready to live moral, just, and, 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 and proper lives. Because the people were not willing to do that, God subjected them to the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. This same fight, this same disagreement between Jeremiah and the people, and the other leaders of the people, occurred both during the first rebellion against Babylon led by Jehoiakim, and during the second rebellion by Tzidkiyahu, when Tzidkiyahu the, the, led the rebellion against Babylon. When Jeremiah was saying over this vision, I'm convinced that what we're seeing here is Jeremiah is writing later when he talks about what happened during the days of Tzidkiyahu, which were very similar, almost the exact same events, Jeremiah is saying that I already had this vision the first time. You didn't listen to me then, and it didn't end well then. Now you also should listen to me now, because if you don't listen to me now, the second time, it's going to end even worse. <laughs> With that understanding, let's look at, we just read verse number one. Now let's hear the vision that Yermio heard, and he actually heard this vision both times. It may be not the same exact words, but definitely the same idea. Ko amar Adonai Eli, so said God unto me. Make for yourself, um, uh, uh, these are variously translated as, uh, as um, uh, chains and yokes and bonds and place them over your neck. These are symbols of subservience. Place them upon your neck. In other words, walk around with the yoke around your neck to demonstrate to the people that because we are not worthy, we must submit ourselves to Nebuchadnezzar. We can't fight Babylon. We must submit ourselves to them because, because, because we're not worthy, because we haven't been listening to the lessons that I've been trying to teach you. So therefore, this is the result. We must accept this yoke upon ourselves. And then I want you to send them, remember the message that Yumiyo has been pounding into us these past several chapters was that the surrounding nations also need to learn that lesson. They also need to learn the lesson that in order to get God's goodwill from God, in order to get what they, what they desire out of their lives to live well, that they need to submit to God by living moral, just, proper lives. Right? And by not learning those lessons, they also need to know that they will also be subject to the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. They will also suffer subjugation under him. And I want you to send these yokes, since you can't present yourself there, I want you to send representations to El Melech Edom, the king of Edom, the El Melech Moab, and the king of Moab. So we go to the southeast, we go to the 
to the east of Israel, Gilmelech B'nai Amon, a little bit more north, Gilmelech Tzor, and the king of Tyre, which is to the north of Israel, Melch Sidon, and Sidon, which is also to the north. Biyad Melachim Haboim Yerushalayim. Send them to, via messengers that come to Jerusalem, El Tzidkiyahu Melch Yehuda, also to the king Tzidkiyahu, the king of Yehuda. This is the that difficulty between the understanding that I was talking about. In the beginning, he's saying it happened in the days of Yehoiakim, the first king to rebel, and now he's saying sending it to the king Tzidkiyahu, who was the second king to rebel. And I already explained how I'm understanding that, con- that seeming contradiction. I want you to command those messengers to tell their masters of all these nations that are gathering around Zedekiah, Zedekiah, that are all gathering around saying, if we ally ourselves, we can beat the Babylonians. I want you to tell them, because what God wants is not an alliance, is not a powerful kingdom. What God wants is a righteous kingdom. What God wants is the people to learn the moral lessons he's trying to teach. Because they're not willing to do that, they will suffer under the subjugation of Nebuchadnezzar and they cannot conquer him. This is what I want you to send this message. So says God, the God of Israel, because the God of Israel is also the God that wants to teach those other nations as well. This is the message you should bring to your masters. I'm at verse 4 now. I am the creator of the land. Why should you listen to me? Because I created the entire world. I'm not just some other random God with a small G that you can worship and, and appease and bring sacrifices to. I don't work that way. I'm the creator of planet Earth. I'm a creator of the universe. Et Hadam, I created humanity. Vet I created all the animals. Asher Aretz. How did I create them with my great strength? I'm just not a God that happens to have this ability or that ability. I have the greatest strength of all because I'm the creator of all of Israel. on my outstretched arm. I'm the one that can control who is going to win these battles. Who is going to control the world? Who is going to be the government in charge and who's not going to be? Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? I decide which land goes to which people. Fiata, and now I am telling you, says God. I am the one that placed all of these lands in the hands of my servant. And, that, and when it says my servant here, it does not mean that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, is my servant in the sense that he is a righteous man that serves God. Clearly not at all. But he's my servant in the sense that I have chosen him as the messenger to meet out destruction, punishment, and to be the one that destroys all of these nations. I gave to him even the animals of the field. In other words, I made him a boss over everything because that's what I decided to do to punish you. And you have to accept these yokes. The symbols that I'm sending you is the symbol that you need to be humble and accept the fact that I'm the creator and that I decided that this is how it should be. And all of the nations will have to serve him, and even his son, and even his grandson. Until the time for his land 
and for his land to be destroyed will also come. Justice will come eventually to them too because they also are abusing other people and they also are not willing to accept humility before God. And even Babylon themselves will eventually be destroyed for that reason. And many nations and many kings are going to end up serving him. And the nation and the kingdom that chooses not to to serve and not to be enslaved by the king of Babylon and they choose to rebel. He who does not place his neck underneath in, within the yoke of the king of Babylon that nation will be destroyed by war, by hunger, by famine, by disease. That is how I will punish that nation. So says God until I have completely destroyed that nation at the hands of the king of Babylon. So this is the, the message that Jeremiah is giving to the people both during the first days of Yehoiakim when God asked, told Jeremiah to deliver this message then and tell the people they need, they, because they are unwilling to change their ways, this is the decree and they must accept it. It takes humility to accept it. Fighting when you're not worthy enough for miracles from God will not get you anywhere. And that same message should be delivered to all those nations you're trying to work with. And this is also the same message that he gave during the time of Tzidkiyahu, the second king, who decided to rebel again, which ended up even more disastrous than the first one. And now, however, all of these other religious leaders, the other priests and the prophets, are arguing with Jeremiah and they're saying, no, no, it's not true. It's time for us to fight. Let's fight. And, and they're, they're appealing to the people's sense of national honor. See, look, the temple is still here. We, we could pray. We could do these rituals. All the other nations were looking towards their gods as well. With all the power and might, we can overthrow Nebuchadnezzar. They're thinking that because of the power and the might and what they have and this grand alliance, they could do it. But they're not recognizing the point. In order to achieve this, they need to be better. They need to achieve it a moral victory. They need to improve themselves. But since they don't have that message, but but the, the, the religious leadership is telling the people what they want to hear. The religious leadership is telling people, come to the temple, bring more sacrifices, bring more donations, worship better, pray better and everything will be fine and you'll win but no that's not how it's going to work so therefore Jeremiah says and you that's you in plural stop listening to all of your your supposed prophets and all of your magicians and sorcerers that are conjuring up all kinds of things and all of these these dreams of grandeur that you have and those diviners and the and the sorcerers that they're telling you they're all telling you no no don't worship Babylon rebel against Babylon don't listen to them verse 10 they are telling you false prophecies these are false these are complete complete baloney what the result of what they're doing is going to end up causing you to be thrown away from your land. In the end, you will be 
if you rebel against Babylon, Babylon will come and completely throw you away from your land and you'll end up being spread around in other places in exile. But if you're willing to humble yourself and you're willing to put your neck within the yoke of the king of Babylon, and you do serve him, then he will at least allow you to stay on the land. No, Madonai says, God, and you can at least work the land and you could at least live on the land. You see, the key thing here is, is that you see Nebuchadnezzar, the, the king of Babylon, as cruel as he was, was still rather leave the nations in place and rather allow them to have their temple and allow them to have their worship rather than conquer them. Keep what you have, maintain this, and humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before him because you deserve this punishment, because you were unwilling to improve yourselves. And then Jeremiah says, and this is after the second time, he says, I announced this message, I told this message just as God told me. I said this to the king of Judah, I said all of these things, saying, just as God asked me to say, please place your necks within the yoke of the king of Babylon, and you can, you can serve his, his people, serve his nation, and at least you will survive, because if you rebel, you won't even survive. Why are you gonna, should you cause the death of yourself King Sidkiyo and your nation, why should you end up being one of those nations that get destroyed by hunger, by sword, and by disease? As God had spoken regarding the nation, regarding the nations who do not submit to the yoke of the king of Babylon. And then he begs the king, the Altishmu, the king and his officers, but please do not listen to those false prophets that tell you, no, don't serve the king of Babylon. They're telling you falseness. God says that I did not send those people. Even though they speak in my name, they are speaking falsely in my name. I never said that. If you listen to them, the result will be that I am going to exile you and I'm going to ruin you and destroy you. The Atem, I will destroy you, the royal house, and the prophets that say these false prophecies to you. And to the priests and to the nation, I spoke and I said as follows. So says God, do not listen to the words of your prophets that are telling you prophecies. That those that those vessels of the house of God that were taken away, those riches and those wealth that were taken away during the first exile in the days of Yehoiakim are going to be coming back from Babylon very soon. What they're telling you is false. They're telling you that it's all going to come back. They're trying to delude you with visions of grandeur and strength. They're talking about the wealth of the, of the temple. The wealth is going to come back. The people are going to come back. They're not telling you what really needs to happen. 
The way you know the difference between false and true is the false prophet is going to delude you with visions of wealth and grandeur and success and tell you everything's going to be fine and good and you're going to get all the gold and the wealth and everything and the power and the independence. But he's not going to tell you the hard truth that you need to improve. You need to treat the poor properly. You need to have empathy on the widow. You need to listen to the messages that I've been trying to tell you. You need to be honest in your dealings. If he's telling you visions of grandeur and not telling you the hard truth, then you know he's a false prophet. Don't listen to those false prophets. Verse 17, Al tishmu alehem. Don't listen to them, but rather, if do at melech bavel, humble yourselves. You need humility. Leave arrogance alone. You need humility. Humility to recognize your mistakes. And that means that you're just going to have to subjugate yourself to the king of Babylon, and then at least you will survive. Why should we see the city get completely destroyed? If you do rebel with Sidkiyahu, the city will be completely destroyed. And if it is true that they actually are real prophets, and it is true that the word of God is truly with them, then go ahead. Let them go ahead and pray to God. Instead of making these grandiose prophecies of all the wealth coming back, let if they're truly prophets and they truly have the word of God, then let them start praying that God saves the remainder of what's left. Let them at least start praying that the little bit that we have the last king who's, well, they didn't know yet that he was the last king, but the king that we still have that's here, even though he's a vassal, the little bit of the temple that Nebuchadnezzar did allow us to keep, the few treasures that he did allow our nation to keep, let, it, let them start to pray that we, God should save that. Let them think about how we should save what we have. If they really, really were true, they would be thinking what they can do to preserve the people rather than give grandiose prophecies about all the grand things that are going to happen. Let them look at what's actually here. Let them pray for what's actually here. Let them pray for what we actually need. But since they're not really true, that's not what they're going to do. Why? This is verse 19. To all of these beautiful things that we still have in the temple, the great pillars, the great um, uh, body, the uh, containers of water, the, the great uh, stands and tables, and the remaining vessels that are still remaining here. That the king of Babylon did not take. In the first time, by, by Galoso, when he took into exile at Yechonia ben Yoyakim Yehuda, when he took the king Yechonia into exile, the first time he attacked Mirshalayim from Jerusalem Bavela to Babylon, and, he had, and when he took with him the first king, and when he took with him all of the nobles, and we took with him all of the craftsmen, and we took with him everything, but he did leave some things, he did leave these things here. Let them pray for them to at least these things to stay here. Because God says regarding what is left, regarding what is here, and regarding what is left of the kingdom of Judah and Jerusalem. If they don't listen to the message that I've been trying to say, they don't humble themselves, subjugate them, allow themselves to be subjugated to Babylon, 
recognize their faults and repair them, unfortunately, whatever is left, Bavela Yuvau, they are going to end up being brought to Babylon, Vishama Yu, and that's where they will remain, Adyom Paktiyotam Nomadonai, until someday in the far off future, when I do decide to remember them, yes, there will be a time that I'll bring them up and bring them back to this place, but not for a while, because if you continue this behavior, this is what's going to happen. This argument here between Jeremiah the prophet and the false prophets is going to be the subject of the next chapter and it's going to be the subject of many chapters to come. Jeremiah was looking like he was the capitulator, the weak one. That's how he was being portrayed by the leaders, or saying, look, he wants us to give in. And while those other leaders were appealing to national pride, we can fight, we can get together, we can do it. But Jeremiah was trying to say it's not about national pride. National pride, when all it is is arrogance, is not going to win anything. True national pride is when people recognize what it is that God wants, what it is that how we're supposed to live our lives. That kind of national pride could lead to true victory. That's what Jeremiah was begging the people to do, but that's not what they wanted to do. What they wanted to do was make alliances and fight Babylon for their riches as if that would somehow restore their natural national pride. Thank you so much for studying Jeremiah 27. Looking forward to studying Jeremiah 28 together.